0: Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell.
1: Happy holidays, y'all!
0: On this special year-end episode, we're going to be looking back on the amazing year of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) We're going to be discussing uh, which movies and TV shows have helped keep us sane during a challenging time. And, you know, last year... At this time, we each listed our top five favorites from 2019. Yep. But we're not going to do that this year, mainly because there just haven't been that many movies. Like the calendar, the pipeline of films pretty much got turned off in mid-March. Yeah, And so it's... Typically on a normal year, I'll watch somewhere between like 150 to 200 movies.
1: You actually admit that out loud?
0: Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be admitting that out loud. But, <laughs> but, but this year, you know, I mean, I, you know, keeping track, I'm, uh, I've seen about 50,
1: and the majority of them was in the first quarter.
0: Exactly. So yeah, I mean, ever since March, you know, most uh, most major films now are kind of going, you know, straight to streaming. A lot of major films that were supposed to come out uh, have been postponed or pushed to next year, uh, really due to COVID. Yep. And COVID is really the story of the year. It's hard to talk about anything, really, without discussing how it's been affected by the pandemic. And that's especially true of the film industry, particularly theatrical exhibition, which has just been flattened. Well,
1: yeah, it really has been. Um, You you
0: and I actually go to the movies occasionally, and it's it's always dead empty.
1: It really is. I mean, it's kind of nice, you know. I don't have to fight for seats or anything like that. But what's not nice is the bar is not open. That makes me upset because I always like to have a nice cold beverage when I watch a movie.
0: For me, it's, you know, I don't like seeing a staff of employees just kind of like, you know, standing around on a Saturday night with nothing to do or like no one to serve or talk to. Because that's, you know, that's not sustainable, obviously. No. <laughs> like Theaters should not be dead empty on Saturday night. Yeah, nights.
1: I mean, we went to a really beautiful movie theater that was brand new.
0: When we saw Freaky. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like yeah. everyone, I mean, a number of employees, like all gathered around like the front area. <laughs> we were the only customers in there. Really? In that entire lobby. In
1: that entire lobby, we were we the had like only half customers. a dozen
0: employees.
1: <laughs> but I will say I felt safe.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and we've said this before, you know, theaters are, I mean, they've taken great pains, I mean, I guess, particularly, like, AMC. Well,
1: yeah, AMC-, AMC. is
0: pretty rigid. You know, we went to another theater where, I think, where we saw, like, Let Him Go, and it was more relaxed. Yeah. People didn't really give a shit. Well,
1: that, <laughs> so wasn't, pe- that, that was an art house theater.
0: It was, yeah, it wasn't, like, a chain. It no. was Yeah, I, I don't know what theater it was, but, it's- so, people, you know, they, they need to kind of weigh the risk for themselves. Like we've said before, it's easy to go to a theater and sit by yourself. And uh, so, yeah, that's not great for the film business. No,
1: it's not. With a lot of the films going streaming, we talked about this, but I didn't even like put two and two together that a lot of actors get paid on, you know, theater ticket sales. And when you go directly to...
0: well, changes the dynamics. It it
1: definitely changes the the dynamics. Yeah. I mean, I think going forward, I think a lot of actors are going to want to take that money up front.
0: Yeah. I think there's going to be, you know, if we're going more into like a streaming future, yeah, I think talent will be paid probably more up front. Yeah. And, you know, the streaming company owns like the back end rights. But yeah, the economics are very different because, you know, a theatrical play, obviously the studio is pushing for theatrical receipts. Right. You yeah. want you want that box office money. When you go to a streaming platform, in the case of like Disney Plus or HBO Max, the benefit is kind of determined in, in like number of subscriptions. Yeah. But no, I mean I love streaming. I love the convenience of streaming, and you can get yeah. a great quality like four K stream. Yeah, I, I mean uh, you and I we streamed the crudes the other day, and it looked uh, fucking great. I thought it was better than Tenant. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, crudes over Tenant.
1: Poor Tenant.
0: Poor Tenant. You know
1: what? Like it's, putting something out like the crudes two or you Wonder know, Woman
0: in wh- theaters
1: And theaters would over have Tenet. drawn more people to the theaters because. I mean, yes, you know, we're all...
0: I think with Tenet, they could take the risk. I mean, in in large part because Christopher Nolan insists on showing his stuff in theaters. He's very old school. He's like Tarantino or Spielberg in that sense. He shoots on film. He wants to project on film. He wants you to see it in theaters. And because Tenet was original, I think Warner Brothers could kind of take that risk and kind of test the waters. But Wonder Woman, I mean, that's part of a more valuable franchise, I guess they were less likely, less inclined to kind of take a flyer yeah. on a franchise. But um, yeah, I mean, we you know we saw I, how the tenant experiment worked out. For me, Wonder Woman isn't the type of like sacred theatrical experience. No, I did not love the first Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, that's a no brainer. And it's two and a half hours long. Like yeah, I can skip a theater for that. Like thank you, Warner Brothers. <laughs> But there are other movies, like Kong vs. Godzilla and the next Matrix movie. Like, I'm definitely going to make an effort to see movies like that in the theater. So, yeah, and that's, I mean, I guess that's a segue. Like, Warner Brothers, they did announce their entire 2021 slate is going to be both streaming and theaters. Yeah. And that's another big blow to theaters. Because <laughs> it includes all kinds of movies. Like, you know, it cl- includes, like, Clint Eastwood dramas and you know like i said kong versus godzilla and you know dune the sci-fi epic i, I want to believe that like both ecosystems can coexist yeah. like we can have a weekly pipeline of movies coming to theaters that are compelling and we can have a weekly pipeline of movies coming to streaming that's compelling they should be able to both coexist yeah but it, you know it just it feels like we're kind of
1: It's either throwing out one
0: to support the other. And it shouldn't be that way. And, uh, you know, other people have made this point. Like if we're all going streaming all the time and like bye-bye theaters, the scale of movies is going to shrink. We're not going to be getting like a whole bunch of $200 million movies streamed into our home which i'm kind the of the scale is going to go down
1: i'm kind of all for
0: well i i like a variety i'm okay with some big budget movies i but, like but, i like a variety but
1: recently it's all been big budget movies i'm talking like <laughs> this
0: is qu- definitely where not as good. did
1: you know the you know 10 to 75 million dollar movies go
0: Right, superheroes superheroes took took control,
1: but I'm wanting those movies, so if yeah. this causes the scale down and because people are better make better this, movies, yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I feel like the standard for quality. It's much higher when you're making something for a theatrical experience. A I don't know. Bit.
1: I've seen a lot of good Netflix movies. I've seen a lot of good Netflix shows. Well, absolutely. It's, and and even even Hulu shows with Handmaiden Tale*. I, I go mean,
0: to I go to *The Irishman* as an example of like I mean the best kind of movie you can possibly make made straight for streaming. Yeah. So it is totally possible. But *The Irishman* is, I mean there there aren't a whole lot of Irishmen. <laughs> And the and the the Netflix well,
1: there, well, re- y-
0: repertoire.
1: No, there's There's, not. A, there's a lot but of garbage. But I, I, I think there will be.
0: So yeah, we started this show a little over two years ago, specifically to talk about movies that were playing in theaters. And the, this show, it, it's really just a place where you and I can vent. Hopefully we give people some sense of guidance and yeah. movie recommendations, if that's what they're looking for. We try not to be assholes. Well, we
1: try to do, we try to give, you know, the good and the bad. I mean, even if we hated a film, we'll we'll say something good about it, too.
0: We try and be as yes. objective a- as we can. And um, so, yeah, you know, it's so COVID has really accelerated this trend of like top studio films going straight to streaming. And theaters are basically just trying to ride out this pandemic the best they can. But um, people obviously aren't going to the theater right now. And the question is, uh, once we're safely at a point of, like, herd immunity through yeah. vaccinations, whenever the hell that'll be, how big will people's appetite be to go back to the movies?
1: I don't know, because now people are going to get... I mean, we're in a era of instant gratification. So I think people love the streaming aspect. I mean, I know I do. But then you have, like, well, you you're compromising now. Well, is this going to be the new norm? Uh, You know, people may not want to go back to the theaters, you know, you and I love it, but is it something for everybody when they can just get it on one of their streaming platforms?
0: I I mean, studios need to get back to supporting theaters and not just like dumping stuff like to Amazon prime. (laughs) Like if studios get back to like, Hey, we have this movie and you can only see it in a theater. Yeah. Would that compel people back to theaters? or
1: I, depending on the movie i mean they tried it with Tenet and i just was
0: well Tenet, i mean Tenet came out during the height of the pandemic i'm talking like everyone's feeling comfortable to yeah. go back outside i don't know when that will be but um yeah i guess i have my doubts as far as like how badly people want to get back to the theater and i just i don't know i think it's a question a lot of people are grappling with theaters are definitely a business that you don't want to bet against because they have survived a hundred years a, a lot of ups and downs but this is the biggest trial that, yeah that i've ever seen theaters face i mean look after this election i wouldn't make any assumptions about america <laughs> about what americans want i mean who the hell knows what americans and,
1: want. And, and, and you know what things could change in the in the next six months i mean like things could change we we change on a regular basis
0: it, it's more than just what's on the screen obviously i mean going now to the movies it's uh, I mean, it's a social act, yeah. right? I mean, there are activities that you kind of build around going to the movies. Like, maybe we'll get dinner before or after. Maybe we'll meet up with people before or after. Or uh, during.
1: Like, or I during, mean, yeah. now there are theaters that do the whole like the dinner din-in experience. Din-in I mean, Cine Bistro is one of my favorites. And we live right up the street from one and we can't go. So, yeah,
0: obviously, obviously like, what's <laughs> what's playing on the screen is important. But that's not, that's not all movies are good for I guess the act of going to a movie, it's a cultural habit that's deeply ingrained, I think, in a lot of people. And I think it's going to be hard to just wipe that out. Um, But I could be wrong. I mean, who who the hell knows?
1: Before, let's say, you know, 100 years ago... You know, or when... I'm just Gone... we
0: have more distractions now.
1: Like, when Gone with the Wind premiered, it was a big social to-do. People got dressed up. People, like, drove from every which way to go to the Gone with the Wind movie.
0: Movies can still be cultural events, as we saw last year with Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Which became the highest grossing movie of all time. So, I mean, theaters and the movie industry, it's still a growth industry. I mean, you know, due to inflation... <laughs> I mean, you, you, you jack up those ticket prices, and, yeah, I mean, you're going to see some growth. But it still remains, like, year to year, yep. a growth industry. So it was certainly an industry that could use some revitalization, but not not an industry that's in decline.
1: So here are my complaints about the, the movies and going to the theater. It's too expensive. I mean, I remember going to the movies at $5, You know, now you're at 14.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And that's just, that's for matinee. I mean, like, if you wanted IMAX or Dolby, you're paying 22. Sure. You know, per ticket. And so, with a family of four, you know, it's a good $100 that you're spending to go see a movie. And that's not even including, like, refreshments or whatever. So, that's a, that and the movies have declined.
0: Unless you're hardcore into franchises, well, it's it's been hard to get excited about a lot of movies. It's been hard to get excited to, to go see honest.
1: movies. And honestly, I think Hollywood has alienated itself from, you know, 74 million people in the population.
0: <laughs> a Trump, a Trumpers uh, still eat up comic book movies. Now, I, I Let, mean,
1: <laughs> I, I, no, I I'm, mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of people in Hollywood that have rubbed... A lot of people the wrong way and aren't going to go to theaters because they don't like what the actor or actress has to say, whether it is
0: like James Woods,
1: it, like James <laughs> Woods.
0: I, I, I don't really see a direct correlation between like an actor's politics or like their social agenda really affecting box office but when then, it comes to but comic people. movies.
1: People get on Pence when he doesn't want to be interviewed alone with a woman either. And I mean, that, people that, get made that, fun that of doesn't him. make
0: That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Here's here's where I'm trying to get back to. (laughs) Even if you think Hollywood is creatively bankrupt, odds are you don't want the option to go out to a movie theater to vanish. Because, again, it's more than just what's on the screen. Because, I mean, you know, right now, I mean, it's the holidays. There's really nothing playing at theaters that's going to, like, pull a lot of people out. And, you know, during family gatherings, you know, sometimes it's good to, like, you know, get out. And, you know, see a movie with the family or, you know, with a cousin that or whatever. Was what,
1: that's what we used to do with it's your just, family all the time.
0: It's an important escape. The yeah. Like the act of going to the movies, it, it's its not just about what's on the screen, although that is important. It is an escape. And that's something this pandemic has taught me, is that watching movies in my living room, even on a, like, you know, a nice TV, it's not the same as going out to a theater because my living room is not an escape. Yeah. That is what theaters are offering. They offer an escape. And it's, uh, I mean, movies are still a -a one-of-a-kind escape. Uh, I mean, different from video games, different from a concert, different from, you know, an amusement park. I mean, movies offer, you know, the ability to, you know, share a story, plug into someone else's vision. And, you know, do that collectively with other people. So I know how I feel about theaters. I can't presume how the rest of the country or the rest of the world feels about theaters if they value it like I do. But I just I predict a pretty bleak future if theaters are gone and the option to go to them is no longer on the table. I think you would miss it too.
1: I do. I miss it now.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people do miss it. I think a lot I of people putting, do want to go back to the movies.
1: I miss putting pants on. You know. <laughs> I miss knowing what day it is. <laughs>
0: I don't even know what fucking day it is. It's Wednesday. Okay. So I was. Fifty-fifty, and this has to be a Wednesday. So, yeah, why don't we take uh, just a quick break, and when we come back, we will get into our personal favorites of this year. All right, we're back, and now we're gonna share a few of our favorites from this terrible, god-awful year. And we're including, we're gonna, we're going to include film and TV, yeah, in this discussion. Just frankly, because there weren't a whole lot of films to see and talk about this year,
1: and TV has been my saving grace.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You you watch more TV than I do. I'm, I do. I, really, I yeah. keep it just to the movies. I, I mean, I, I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> but yeah, I keep it. I keep it with the films. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you why don't you start? What um, what were some of your favorites?
1: So my top two favorites, one, people will probably be like, oh, yeah, that was a great movie. The other one, people may not have heard about it or people may not have liked it as much as I did. Right. So my first one is going to be Onward. I mean, that... The
0: the Pixar movie. The
1: Pixar movie. With
0: um, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland.
1: Yeah, and they were going and, and going on this adventure trying to uh you know, spend time with their dad because their dad died and they brought him back to life with a magic wand there's
0: a spell staff. yeah they're trying to bring their dad back they've only brought back like his lower half yeah and so they're trying to like complete the spell you know get whatever ingredients they need and they
1: only have 24 hours yeah to do it
0: uh yeah we talked about this uh earlier in the year and i think i was uh, a lot higher on it than you were you were just kind of like eh. so I, but i guess it's it's gone up in your
1: It's gone you know. up after thinking about it and after like really yeah. appreciating.
0: Yeah. You know, I, the, I the fact
1: it. that there's hasn't really been any other kind. Of,
0: <laughs> that really that was know? like the last <laughs> one of the very last movies we saw before the world collapsed.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, I, I think reviews were kind of like you know, mixed to positive. But I, I think it's a really
1: But it's a Pixar film. I a mean A really
0: solid Pixar film. It's yeah. an original one. But the animation's beautiful, there's a lot of comedy, and it, it's, it, I mean, it tugs on the heartstrings yeah. at the end. I mean, it really gets you. So, yeah, that's a good pick. Uh,
1: and my second pick is the Broken Hearts Gallery.
0: This is a romantic comedy. It came out, uh, I think it's September.
1: Yeah. It's a low budget, with a lot of unknowns, actually. A lot of unknown um, Some up-and-coming actors, up and coming actors. Yeah.
0: yeah. You've got uh, Geraldine uh, Viswanathan
1: who um got her breakout in block oh,
0: blockers blockers yeah. which
1: was filmed here um in Atlanta. In Atlanta, sure. Um so and everything was filmed. Here. Uh well yeah <laughs> I so, mean, Black
0: Panther was filmed in Atlanta.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's filmed mostly on studio. It's not right. filmed in the streets, really, except downtown Atlanta.
0: Was Blockers like filmed in the streets?
1: It was filmed in neighborhoods.
0: I need to rewatch it.
1: Yeah, Broken Hearts Gallery for me, you know, normally I rag on these kind of movies because I really think that, you know, the main character is a whiny brat, overthinking everything they do, talking a lot, a lot of dialogue.
0: Yeah, this is a dialogue-heavy movie, but the actors are, are pretty charming.
1: I exactly the and they actors have chemistry. Are charming? They've got chemistry. It, it's a original story. I think it was a cute story about how you know people keep things from past relationships that they haven't officially like let go from. Yeah, and this was helping people let go. From their past relationships and be able to move on and it, it's just cute and and it goes into what women what girls agonize over and it's really interesting
0: yeah it was a nice surprise mm-hmm. i
1: think why it's so high on my list because i didn't have expectations of the movie exactly my expectations of this movie was very low and it well, during, surprise the hell out of me
0: during yeah during this pandemic i mean you don't really see a lot of major marketing campaigns no. for movies so when we do go out to the movies you just you kind of just trust me like i
1: do <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you yeah you usually have no idea what we're sitting down for no so broken hearts gallery and onward those are some good picks yeah. uh what about uh, any tv
1: so I'm going to pick two. The first one, obviously, is going to be The Queen's Gambit. I think everybody who's watched it has nothing but great things to say about this amazing series.
0: It's from Scott Frank. It stars uh, Anya Taylor-Joy.
1: Yeah. I mean, she is amazing. I mean, this is all about a um, child chess prodigy who has a substance abuse issue. It started at a very young age. She's orphaned. And it goes on the journey with her from when she just learns how to play chess to when she, she becomes a
0: master. She
1: becomes a master and actually beats a grandmaster in Russia.
0: And you, you say Anya Taylor Joy is really great in it.
1: She's fabulous. And what I love about this movie is like this is a, just a complicated character. Like she's got some issues, you know. She's orphaned. She's got a drug problem. They don't overly sex her out. Um, and then it shows her getting clean at the end because she, she thinks that she needs the substance, uh, uh, you know, the, the pills and the alcohol and things like that. To what is she? In, is she like shooting heroin? Player.
0: Shooting heroin? Like doing smack?
1: Popping pills. Okay. Oxy. Okay. The, she started the addiction when she was in um, an orphanage because they gave the kids these pills to keep them calm. Mm. And so, and she got hooked she, on them. Right. And then... You know, over and over, she goes and gets addicted to her. You know, her. She gets adopted when she's a teenager, and her adopted mom has pills that she gets and she takes them. And you know, but she thinks she she needs these pills and this substance to be a grandmaster and to be a good chess player because she hallucinates her chess moves. <laughs> and and it, what, what, pills it's really cool. what
0: pills are these? What pills are these?
1: They're some kind of tranquilizers. Mm. Sounds but then she realizes and she gets clean and she realizes that Should she didn't need, need it. him
0: yeah that's great and i've heard good things about this i haven't seen it but yeah it got a lot of a lot of great reviews you remember anya taylor joy's breakout film the witch do you remember that you you and i definitely saw the witch in theaters
1: i know i would have seen it because that's something that is up it my begins alley. with a witch
0: like grinding a baby up into paste oh yeah um <laughs> there we go yeah U- using right. it as like lube for her broom
1: yeah you remember
0: that okay that was that was the first time i saw anya Taylor joy she yeah. was the lead in that film and she's yeah she's had quite a rise since that film and yeah. she's yeah she's a, a an exciting actress
1: um and what's the number two? two oh I'm, I'm so torn because there's so many number twos that i've got <laughs> I will probably say the great Catherine, the great Hulu series. It's all about how Catherine, the great gets married to this imbecile of a King. She wants to be making the decisions and bringing ideas to the table. And, you know, she tries to bring ideas to her husband and her husband just dismisses her because she's a, she's a woman. But that's how it was back then.
0: Does she get the crown in the end?
1: She There is a coup in the end, but that comes to season two to see if she actually gets it. But obviously, it's Catherine the Great, so she gets it. Right.
0: But... So it, like, it leaves it open for a season two? Yep. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I heard good things about that. And that came out earlier this year. Uh, yeah, Elle Fanning, an- another great young actress. Well,
1: you guys, you know, I guess see where I go. I mean,. I you you love, like the period pieces. I love the period the, the pieces. The female with strong female characters. I love female, strong female characters, and I just, I, I feel, you know, at the end, you're just really rooting for the, for these complicated women. They've got so much ambition, and you're just wanting to root for them, and 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 wanting them to solve their problems.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's that's the great starring Elle Fanning. And yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I definitely want to check out the the Queen's Gambit. And um, okay, so I guess for my picks, uh, you know my my first movie pick is gonna be Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley <laughs> Quinn. This is uh, this is a film we talked about earlier this yeah. year. It came out in February. Uh, I got pretty decent reviews, although I just I, I've I've noticed it's kind of like a love it or hate it type film. Um, a lot of people. A lot of people just think it's absolute garbage. <laughs> I shouldn't say a lot. A, a number of people think it's just straight garbage.
1: It's not garbage. It, you I know, would call it a
0: guilty pleasure.
1: It's a... It's a it's a guilty
0: pleasure. It's a guilty pleasure. That's yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like this is like some sort of uh, like masterpiece. I mean, people get their faces scalped off. You know, Harley Quinn, I mean, she's doing cocaine and like beating people with baseball bats this it's like it's a grand theft auto
1: and she just wants that that egg sandwich right She's,
0: her highest priority is a fucking breakfast sandwich it's just it it really is it, it's grand theft auto uh the movie let's, let's just rewind back to february when we saw this because we were not looking forward to this No, the advertising was atrocious it
1: was so bad
0: and I didn't even realize until like right before we saw it, like, oh, this isn't our movie. I was expecting like a PG-13 movie for kids. But no, the movie's very R-rated. And I, I think the movie really works for me because it is, it's grounded to a degree. It's scaled down. And uh, like the stakes are human level. It's more of like a crime picture. Yeah. It's not, you know, we don't have like, you know, a third act where like the, the world is at stake. And <laughs> that is. True. People are flying around, and we have to like stop a giant robot or something. Yeah, it's very much just you know people are trying to get this diamond, and Ewan McGregor is the bad guy. Ewan McGregor is amazing in this. <laughs> just, I mean, playing it real flamboyant and over the top. Uh, I mean, he's got like monogrammed gloves, <laughs> it's, like yeah. different gloves in every scene.
1: Well, he he likes the different masks too.
0: He yeah he well yeah he becomes Black Mask. And there's just, yeah, there's really, it's very light on fantasy moments. Really the only fantasy moment is when Black Canary yeah. uh, kind of lets out like that yeah. like, uh, song, ah! song burst. Yeah. that That's the only like element of like fantastical action.
1: Well, and there was, there was, you know, one scene, well, I guess this was at the very end where Hugh McGregor blows up. <laughs> well,
0: that's still within like the realm of reality. Yeah, he has like a grenade strapped to yeah, him and he blows was, up in midair. It was
1: Kind of funny, I'm it's like, a oh, great death. Like, it looks like you know
0: he explodes like <laughs> <it> midsection, <laughs>
1: like like meat or something. Like He becomes red
0: mist. <laughs> it's a great death. Yeah, this movie doesn't hold back <laughs> oh, on the violence. No, it doesn't hold back does on not. the action. There's plenty of comedy. Uh, it, it, for me, it, it it scratches that itch uh, that Deadpool did. Yeah, which is kind of irreverent. It's action packed. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I-, I might even prefer this a little bit to Deadpool. Uh, I don't know. They're 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 close in my book. And yeah, I mean, if this was a normal year, this would not be at the top of my list. But I mean, since the world shut down in March, this has just kind of remained front and center. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I would I would love to see more comic book movies like this. You know, just less less of the like overscaled fate of the world hanging in the balance stuff and just more like stuff like this or Joker where it's just scaled down to human perspective, you know, more kind of like in the crime genre that I can roll with. Yeah. And yeah, so that's birds of prey. And, uh, yeah, that's, I guess my favorite movie of this year. Um, wasn't a lot of competition. Onward was another great one, but, um, Birds of Prey, I just it, for me, it's just a little more rewatchable. I've seen it three times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I really dig it. And then what's your second one?
0: So my second one, it's a documentary. Um, it's called Totally Under Control. This is the the film by Alex Gibney, and I think it's just I, I think it's the most accurate time capsule of what went wrong in twenty twenty. Like years from now, it's like what the hell went wrong in twenty yeah. twenty.
1: Well, let's show you. This
0: is a good two hour audio visual. Yeah. on what went wrong. You know, unless you only watch Fox News, there's really nothing revelatory in this documentary. It covers the denial, the politicization, and the resignation of how we responded. But it's really something to see all of our bad decisions stacked up next to one another yeah. over a two hour period. And there's been a lot of gaslighting and a lot of revisionist history when it comes to this pandemic. But I think it's real critical for people to remember. Trump ignored this, literally, for two whole months, from January to March. He did a half assed travel ban with China and then kind of clapped his hands and said, I'm done. Problem solved. <laughs> when what we really needed was an Operation Warp Speed and contact tracing back in January. Back in January. That, that was the window. Back in January. For some reason, we were more preoccupied with travel bans than in coordinating an effort to actually track this virus. And I guess tracking a virus is a lot harder and a lot more expensive well, than just declaring a travel ban.
1: It's not just that, though. I mean, tracking a virus, though, I mean, and and doing the tracking, it's kind of like...
0: We've done it before.
1: I, you know, we do it with HIV and STDs and, and, and things like that. But it's also based on the person's... It's a, it's a medical decision. I mean, if I have COVID, it's not your right to know that I had COVID. It, it, it's my right to tell you that I have COVID.
0: What I'm saying is you, I, I mean, you go to the source of the outbreak and then you contact Trace. Where has it gone from there? I mean, you, you have a limited window to do that effectively. Well, yeah. And yeah. We, we missed that window. We, <laughs> we, and, you know, it didn't help that China was uncooperative. That did not help. But we've dealt with uncooperative countries before. And we've dealt with pandemics before. And... It's, it's important to understand the mistakes that we made so that we don't repeat them when this inevitably happens again in the future. And this is, like I said, it's not our first pandemic. Democrat leaders, Republican leaders have dealt with infectious diseases from other countries and handled them before yeah. they became world-altering pandemics. That's important to remember. We had a literal playbook on how to deal with this that Bush created and Obama revised and that Trump ignored. We'll never know how different things would be if Trump had heeded the warning signs back in January. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, after we ignored it, we then politicized it. Yes. As if not wearing a mask is a sign of bravery or patriotism. We're, look, there's no, there's no argument here. Wearing a mask fucking sucks, right? I hate it. I, think, I hate I think it. you hate yeah. it. I wear it for the same reason I put on a seatbelt when I drive a car, Right. You, you drive a car, you put on a seatbelt, you go out in a pandemic, you put on a mask. I mean, th- that's... It makes sense th- to th- me. That's what you do. I mean, it, we're not saying this is great. <laughs> like, this is just what you do. But, you know, for people who are sick and tired of the business closures, you know, working from home, wearing masks, having to social distance, I wouldn't blame the Democrats. I would blame the guy who said it's going to go away like a miracle and then went golfing. Wow. If you're looking to assign any blame. But, you know, look, scientific data should not be politicized, right? Medical experts should not be undermined. But that's literally what we did.
1: The whole time.
0: Bottom line is that this was a preventable disease, and our window to contain it and avoid catastrophic damage was back in January, and we missed it. If you know anyone who's, like, hooked into Fox News and Newsmax and OAN, give them the gift of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and maybe it will open their eyes, or, or or maybe not. Maybe maybe half the country just has their eyes sewn shut. I don't know.
1: <laughs> you never know. So, what's your favorite shows?
0: Well, yeah, you know, like I said, I I haven't watched a whole lot of shows. Yeah, but I did catch up with Watchmen, the HBO series, uh, which I believe premiered last year. So it's not even technically a 2020 show. But uh, you know, this was a show that I kind of written off when I heard that they were doing it because it's like. We have the comic, we have the feature film adaptation, yeah. which was very thorough. And uh, like, what else is there to do here? I, I'm i glad I caught up with this because this is a, a very worthy continuation. Of the movie? Uh, well, of the, of the saga uh, that, you know, the comic book kind of created. Definitely doing its own thing and kind of adapting the world to the modern era, uh, but also respectful of the source material and... Incredibly well crafted, like like beautifully shot, beautiful to look at. Yeah, this show. So I was really impressed. I mean, great casting, incredibly solid and consistent. So yeah, watchman That was a nice surprise. You know, I think that. I guess that brings us kind of to the end here. And you know, looking forward, you know, the we used to be a weekly show.
1: (laughs) We did. We were now.
0: Now. Um. Now we've become kind of a monthly show. Um, I mean, we base our show on the calendar of films that is uh, scheduled for theaters. (laughs) So we might, you know, the start of 2021, we might be on uh, a little hiatus uh, until the calendar returns. Here's the thing. There's a James Bond movie that's supposed to come out. It's been in the can for over a year. Um, But yeah, you know, for uh, the first couple months of 2021, while the calendar is still looking pretty, pretty lean, we might... You know, we might be on uh, a soft hiatus, but I, I expect us to come back. <laughs> I expect movies to come back. I mean, ideally, in April, James Bond opens. Yeah. And a calendar of films follows. Yeah. And movie going slowly comes back.
1: Returns. Yeah.
0: Are they going to push it again? Like, is it going to sit on the shelf for two years? So, yeah, when theaters return, hopefully you and I will return. Yeah. And so yeah I guess that'll do it for this episode And you can find more episodes at Anchor.fm slash Movie Date Night As well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts Where you can rate and review We're on Twitter at DNMoviePodcast And you can also email us at nightmoviepodcast at gmail.com Until next time, I'm Patrick
1: And I'm Ashley
0: Stay safe